Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas today, guys. You're going to love this brand. I can't wait to introduce you to. It's called Eat Me Guilt Free. I love it. I love the name. I love the rhyme, by the way. And you're going to love my guest today, Christy Besu. Christy is on the podcast today. Christy, it's so great to meet you and so glad you're here with us. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for pronouncing my name. And I'm really, really excited to <laughs> share everything I can about Emil Free. I love it. I'm so excited that you're here. I had so much fun learning about you before today. Um, I was looking forward to our conversation so much. And um, gosh, incredible background and really cool what you're doing with this brand. Um, before we get to the brand, I'd love for you to share some of your story. You've got an amazing background in the fitness and nutrition space. Share with our audience a little bit about you and what you were doing before before starting Eat Me Guilt-Free? Sure. My background before Eat Me Guilt-Free was basically, I was a nurse, an emergency room nurse for nine years. And the second half of being an emergency room nurse, my passion was fitness. So I got certified in sports nutrition. So those nine years were half just ER nurse and the other half really, really diving deep into connecting my love for science and my passion for fitness. I was competing in something like bodybuilding, like wow. your competitions right. between 2010 and 2017. So I really got into the science behind and like how food affected your body, you know, uh, how to get to the goals I was trying to get to. So it was really uh, fitness focused and science focused at first. And I had nutrition clients. I left the hospital. This is business is about seven years now. Old. Sure. So yep. when I left um, the emergency room. Wow. And so you decided to stop doing the nursing thing and go all in here with the business side of things. Yeah, I took the leap. Someone asked me that question yesterday. Did you win a grant? Like, how did you take that leap? I honestly, it was a leap of faith. You know, how they say that cliche saying, of course, I honestly really, really felt passionate and it felt like the right thing to do to hone in on fitness, on nutrition rather, because it was more of a preventative medicine versus sure. fixing someone after they're broken. <laughs> like ah, you do interesting. Totally. So I think that that's where um, I realized that I wanted to, to hone in on. It. And I didn't necessarily know right away that I was going to have this brand that was going to grow and start to scale. I right. just want to a brownie. Yeah. It flowed at first. <laughs> and I, I found my, my way. I love that. So how did it start? Like, did you know you wanted to get into the food business or was it like, was it an initial idea around one specific element of food? Like, what did that look like as you were, you know, starting to get the seed planted? No pun intended. <laughs> so, yeah. So when I was working one-on-one -on -one with nutrition clients, I really it lit me up to feel how it impacted that one person, you know, them get like that light bulb going off. Oh my God, I'm changing. I'm so much healthier. I feel so good. Um, and then I realized I started making food for a lot of clients, not necessarily brownies. And then I was, right. More. And then I realized since the brownies were a solution to 
a problem I would hear over and over and over. People wanted something sweet. People wanted to eat. People wanted to eat healthy, but they also wanted their food to taste good. Totally. And then, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Right? Isn't that the so, biggest thing, right? I mean, we all want to, well, not, not everybody, but many people that do want to quote unquote be healthy, they just, it's hard to do it because a lot of the foods are like, I don't know, they just don't taste good. That's it. That's, and people feel that they have to sacrifice. The food industry for a long time has dictated what delicious is, you know? Totally. What, what, what things have to taste good, they have to be bad for you. So um, I basically, you know, got on a path to make originally it was just a brownie that tasted good and had, we swapped out ingredients. I didn't try to make a different protein shake because back then this is, you know, 2014. Sure. There weren't very many options right. in fun food. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I, I made this brownie. My clients here in Miami liked it. It was the same time as um, Instagram was growing. So I started sharing totally. what I was doing, my story. And I think one of the reasons why it was easy to both take the leap of leaving the hospital focus on nutrition is because since I guess I felt passionate about it, and I'm sure your listeners, they're, you know, entrepreneurs and their, their ideas are well received by totally. their friends or, or, or their customers. And that's what I felt. I felt that I was filling a need. You know, people wanted to hear, wanted what I was offering, and it felt good. So love that, you know, it's scary, but it, it feels good. You know, you, uh, yeah. know, you know, intuition kicked in. So um, when I was making the food and the nutrition, it made sense when I realized that the brownie was selling with a four week shelf life online on the, <laughs> on the store. Four and weeks. I right. <laughs> yeah. Four week shelf life. It's almost everyone said that's you're not going to sell brownies with a four right. week shelf life. Crazy. Um, and I did that first year. I don't think. Maybe I got up to an eight-week shelf life. Oh. You know, I would just ship it out. <laughs> okay, so at first, were you literally making them and then oh. packaging them, you know, yourself before you because you didn't need scale at that point, right? You were somewhat selling to your clients and friends and people hearing about it, right? Yeah, you know, I large corporations have always had like their own research and development. Totally, my research development for marketing. <laughs> your clients, <laughs> right? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Let me just try, and you know, the response was great. People wanted Amazing. it. I, I realized that they needed instructions, care instructions. So I put those in. I kind of really, really listened to the consumer who I was selling to, which was easy to do. Well, I'm sure you're going to ask me about that with social, with <laughs> right. media. Yeah, I want to talk about that in a minute. I, I want to ask you a question before I go any further on the brownies and the other pro the other um, products you now have. But um, what is the biggest challenge that you find with with clients that you know that you work with even even in the past couple of years or even up to today? Like they come to you, they want to you know I don't know fill in the blank, get healthy, lose weight, uh, be more uh, wellness, uh, whatnot. What's the biggest challenge to getting there? You know what I mean? You meet with them and you know. Because you you know the roadmap, you've done this. But what is the biggest, maybe the top two or three challenges around that for just an individual? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think honestly, it's the narrative that they have in their mind. Oh, past that. okay. All right. So unpack that for us. Yeah. So I I think that that's why the the whole better for you space even exists, and and we're and and companies like Eat Me Go Free are trying to kind of reeducate that things can taste good. Right. I think that people felt like they had to stop their lives as they know it in order to make better choices rather than swapping the same way I'm swapping out some ingredients. You know, it's just 
finding a better for you version of the sweet things, finding a type of workout that you like. So I, I find that they were telling themselves, this is something I'm just not even going to be myself. I'm going to be Got unhappy. It. My food is not going to taste good. My, I'm going to be in pain. And <laughs> right. getting past that, <laughs> getting past sure. that was, the, I think, the challenge. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, I, I think that there many people uh, that are listening probably say that, right? They, they want to be healthy. They want to get there, but then they don't know the roadmap or they think that being healthy means stopping eating, stopping drinking, you know, all of the kind of anyway, uh, and uh, the narrative, uh, I didn't want to take us too, too far off path, but I, with your background in the space, I think it's super interesting. So you just back to the story. So you decide to start with brownies. Uh, why brownies? Why was that the, the first thing? Well, it seems that most people who crave sweet stuff, I, I think it's when I looked it up, it was like 60 or 70% of people are, are chocolate fans, right? <laughs> right? So since I didn't really know how to make chocolate and I was more into baking, I made a chocolate brownie and it worked. It tasted pretty good. The texture was there. I tried to make it as similar. In essence, I baked it in an oven the same way you would make a brownie. It was protein backed to help satiate your hunger. So you're not like, that's the issue with eating brownies and sweet foods. You know, they have sugar, they spike your insulin, Absolutely. hungry again, all these empty calories. And we try to go lower in carb, right? There's not, I didn't follow. And that's another thing. Eat me guilt-free. A lot of people are like, oh, is it gluten-free? Is it paleo? Right, is it keto? right. I didn't do that. You know, I, I really take all the different schools of thought. I did that in nutrition as well. And picked and chose what I think is going to last and what made sense. Got it. So you start with brownies and you're making them in your home. You're selling them to clients um, and, and others. At what point did it go beyond that? At what point did it start becoming more than just, you know, uh, I'd say somewhat of a hobby? Yeah. So first month, I think it was like December, it, that direct to consumer, stayed direct to consumer first three years, by the way, four years. Um, was 3,000, then I did 10,000. By the end of my first <laughs> year, I did So those are orders dollars. off your website yeah. for the brownies? Yeah. Just And it was just brownies then, because now you've got, what, cakes, you've got tortillas bread. and bread, and I mean, like all yeah. kinds of things. But um, wow, okay, so you're taking orders for brownies, you're packing them up and putting them in. Are you having I to like take them to the post office and all of that? Oh my God. Yes, with a big black bag, I look <laughs> like Santa Claus. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure they loved you. What? <laughs> When I got, I want to say through almost half the year that I realized that this isn't just going to be three months. It's, it was going 3,000, 10,000, 20,000. I was like, okay, I, I need to find someone's kitchen, you know, right. um, and I found their space and I found a baker that would help me. So in essence, a co-packer, I didn't got know it. what a co-packer was. Right. Cause you're not in the food business. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So I think that's one of the things that separates um, you know, entrepreneurs that actually from an aspiring entrepreneur is actually executing. Sure, right? No like, doubt. I'm gonna just try. How how will I do this? This is what I want to do. How can I do it? Right. So right. I went out there, found found a baker, lots of mistakes, you know, lots of hitting my head against the wall. But I was able to make more brownies, getting it done at sure. the bakery versus my home. Um, I was able to focus on extending the shelf life. I was able to focus on sharing my, what flavors I was going to release because we went from that one chocolate flavor. I added Blondie at the end of that first year, Got which it. is like a diploma. And then I, you know, just kind of kept adding other flavors, variations of that chocolate and vanilla base. Got it. Kind of oh, very nice. Okay. Now, how did you decide what you were going to add next in other words did people ask you for different flavors and, and things or how did you decide yeah well 
part of it was me coming up with what I thought these two or three options. Hey, I'm thinking birthday cake. I'm thinking Rocky Road. Right. And people would message you back uh, and say, this is what I think. We didn't have polls back then. Right. But- <laughs> back then. Back then was like six years ago. <laughs> yeah. But believe it or not, everything moves so quickly now. I know. That, Technology for that, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I was just listening. Social listening. You know, I didn't have the, the big tools that right. we have now. Right. But I was listening to what people, when I gave two or three options or I told them what I was thinking, they would respond. That's pretty cool. And that was, yeah. So that direct-to-consumer start was amazing because it enabled me. And we still stay true to that. Um, I think all of our marketing even though now we're in stores and we're starting to like distribute is we sell through it if because of our, our social marketing. Got it. Marketing. And, and is that how you built the brand was through social things like Instagram and, and whatnot? Cause you obviously had a good client base and that's always good. Um, but beyond that, like, as you got and you and picking up those kinds of orders, that's beyond friends and family. I mean, that's, that's significant, Absolutely. right? So all through social. People, I think, really resonated with what I had said earlier on Instagram, right? They, they said, yeah, I want to eat healthy and I don't want my food to taste bad. Right. So when they started <laughs> seeing other people share, people would ask me. I didn't know what an influencer, what an ambassador right. was. Right. That's right. Well, like, I don't know they that it really existed then. I don't know. No, nah, they would ask, hey, can I, can I try these brownies? So I sent out a lot of products for free. Just sure. intuitively just said, sure, why not? And I'm sure that's been the thing from way before social existed. Right. And and yeah, I I basically got my product out there. And you you said something about Florida. The truth is, is my most of my sales, like year two, were New York. Northeast. Interesting. Yeah. I grew up in yeah. Florida, but I mean it's just fascinating. I'm sure that was fun to watch like where the orders were coming from and then wondering how did they find out? You know what I mean? Like because yeah. you, you didn't anyway, you don't know. Um it's super interesting. So at, at, and then you you pick up a co-packer, a more commercial kitchen type person to help you make things more productized. Um same yeah. shelf life still, like the four weeks or eight weeks, or did things get better or not? Right, year two, you know, I, I don't have it exactly documented, but it took me at least two years to get to a, a, a year shelf. Got it. Wow. I kind of kept yeah. testing to three months, six months, nine months, just kind of kept, I found the lab. I started, I started to figure out how to, <laughs> how to register do. my brand on Amazon. I just kind of would yeah, do Yeah, there you go. Nice. Um, that's really cool. Now, okay. How did you decide, you know, I'm going to call the company eat, go for, I, I, I mean, how did you come up with that? Like, eat me, go free. Go free. I love it. It's like, it sounds so cool in the rhyme, but where you just, I'd love to know where did that come from? Where was it born? So eat me was, it was eat me brownies at first, right? Got it. Uh, first year. Uh, that's kind of, or before I actually even sold them online, that's what I called them because I wanted the brownie. I kind of wanted both. I wanted to add that marketing sexual innuendo and it, <laughs> right. calls, it calls you i mean at the end of the day it does you know it's so true but good marketing it's good marketing <laughs> one of those human needs so um but then guilt-free I, I added at the end because the reality is is people a lot of times feel shame and guilt with indulgence and feeling good totally and you shouldn't but you but a lot of people do so i was trying to create a line of foods where you felt good about eating them because and there were things that you typically like bread, tortillas. Everyone's like, oh, it has carbs. I shouldn't eat it. Right. And that truth is you should be guilt-free. I mean, right. we should make options 
totally. that, you know, are better for you. So that's that's what the line is all about. And it's also also very catchy. You should I love it. wear it. I think Somewhere. it's really cool. Yeah. I, I Like I said, when I first saw the information, I was like, yeah, what? I got to read. I mean, anyway, I had, I had so much fun learning about you. Um, So, okay, back to the story. So uh, so here you are a couple years later. You've got a number of different products. How did you approach retail? Because you were doing all direct to consumer. Did you, did you already know you wanted to go in retail and it just worked out? Like, what did that look like? So I originally thought I never wanted to go retail. I thought online. Right. Direct to consumer. It's easy. You can make all the margin. But I found that I was stuck three years in, you know, my, my revenue wasn't really going up, right? My costs were going up because I was learning how to do things correctly and everything would just cost more and more. And then in order, I started to look at the brands that were really big and I'm like, oh, they're in stores. Right. Exactly. <laughs> How am I going to get right. a new store? Right. Even though I was going to focus on direct to consumer, I never wanted to let go. It's it's a huge part, like I said, of our marketing of our business. Sure. We have a separate um, marketing strategy and even different products for direct to consumer that are available. Like Got it. Keep that yeah, that makes sense. Strong. So I literally, when I got stuck, and it was like out of need, financial need, three years in. <laughs> which happens you, know, you right. take on these big phones as a store you get offered i don't know how many of entrepreneurs have e-commerce stores you get offered these very expensive merchant loans that's right so i was like that's how exactly am i going right. to get out of this mess right, right. <laughs> get me so out of the merchant loan yeah right so i i i knocked on the door of a of a sports distributor that distributed to like gyms and smaller independent retail vitamin shop type stores and I had heard that they were impossible. The guy was like so difficult. And I just asked, you know, I sent right. an email and, and the response was good. He had heard of it through social. Wow. Right. Very cool. And, and they onboarded and they were, I was very transparent, very honest with where I was, what I was capable and not capable of doing. And I think that's important to not overpromise. you know? Sure. I mean, were, did you even have packaging in the right way for a retail at that point, or did you have I didn't to read? You know what a pallet was, right. yeah. A pallet, you know? right? Yeah. yeah. And we went to order a pallet. Um, what? I, that, I've seen those. Yeah. <laughs> I had to figure out what the like the tier, like how high. It right. Was, there was a lot to figure out. My how many did you put in a box? Right. I mean. Yeah. Exactly. I had a display box because in the gyms, um, like countertop or something. Yeah, countertop. Yeah. Uh, but I hadn't put those into cases. I didn't realize, you know, the barcodes, all these things totally. that, you know, kind of came into play. And I learned, you know, as I hit my head against the wall, like I said earlier, I didn't have the resources yet because I kept buying more and more product to make, you know, pay the bakers, believe it or not. Sure. Everyone thinks, oh, you're all this sales, you're, no, you don't. You still you don't have costs. <laughs> yeah, the costs are, and you don't know how to get things at a better price yet. Totally. So I would be able to hire one or two people here and there other than a co-packer to help me that right. weren't really equipped with the information or knowledge that I needed. So my first order was in uh, a December, like it was going to get there in January. I spent that holiday like, like with my making family. Making products, right? Yeah. <laughs> Packing it. <laughs> Figuring out how to make these pallets wrapped up, <laughs> how it's going to get over there. And, and then you and figure was, out it's expensive to have somebody come carry that pallet over somewhere. <laughs> You and know. That, the transportation. <laughs> oh costs. my god! Totally. Wow. <laughs> and like, that year went well. You know, that year went well with um, it was Europa Sports distributor. Wow. Very very cool. 
So um, fast forward a bit to today. Uh, what is what? What are you thinking in terms of route to market uh, with with retail or, or direct to consumer or like what what do you what's your big focus the next six to twelve months? Continuing to expand um, into B two B and maintaining um, our sales revenues on D two C, which is typically not what companies do. Right. And I think that. <laughs> we we, try to, we don't ever do things since I, I I guess I started out, you know, backwards and reverse engineering things. We've kind of stuck to that model overall as a company. Sure. And we, our marketing team, which we actually have one now. It's not huge, right. but we have one. <laughs> marketing was uh, you. Uh, distribution yeah. was you. The baker yeah. was you back in the beginning, right? <laughs> yeah. And slowly right. but surely you start to figure out what you know, what hot you can let go of as you find the right people totally. to help you. So, yeah, so it's, it's, we hadn't really even made a huge footprint. I mean, we got into vitamin shop pre pandemic. Yep. Amazing. Amazing. Then we got into GNC. Those have passed, uh, like paved the way for grocery stores. They're starting to authorize us totally for bread and tortilla. So that's kind of what we're focusing on and learning how, how, to market, you know, like they have all <laughs> right. these like promotional calendars and all these and all of the, the new hits that you get. There's absolutely you know, 20, 30 percent of your you don't even know you have to give up. Right. And you go it's to part school. of your trade spin um, to be in store. That's right. To be on a shelf. Um, that's fascinating. You mentioned people. Um, how has that developed for you? Again, at first, it was you and family. Um, over time, I'm guessing you've had to lean on others to figure out the industry or, you know, like you mentioned barcodes and packs and things like that, that are kind of nature of retail. Have you had to lean on others? Or have you found key individuals that good mentors and things like that? I want to say I, I leaned on, you know, like my accountant. <laughs> <laughs> Always good. You know, he would give right. me advice, business advice, believe it or not. Yeah. He, he helped me keep going. I ended up taking on a an investor and a business partner about three years ago. Okay. He didn't have, he had financial experience, right? Not operational or whatever experience, but sure. I, I honestly spent a long time not hiring the right people. That, that, that's, that was, Interesting. Uh, was a, okay. a mistake. I hired a lot of friends and family. Thinking, um, oh, this will be so fun or perfect, yeah. and then you find out that they're not the the doer, the executor, right? Getting things done, person, or the best fit, and that's right. and that's rough. that's rough to work with. The good news is because the culture was set with friends and family, we've kept that with people who are not friends and family. Is oh, nice, like a, that's great. We work, love that shared workspace. There's a ping pong table, so we still have like that familial <laughs> feel. If you have ping pong table, good. then that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> But we are no longer, uh, you know, everyone here is not related to me or, or a good right. friend. Right. Um, although, you know, we love each other, but you know, yeah. just not related. So it took me, I want to say, if I'm almost at year seven, this last year, even the year before is when I really started to get a handle on wow. taking my time to find the right person. I, and that's one thing I wish I would have learned early on. And I wish I would have reached out more Got it. to find mentors. Um, I didn't. I would just kind of like meet people through my network of nutrition. Right. Thankfully, I my nutrition clients were really a great resource because a lot of them were 
just they had a lot of different experience and different things. And sure. I would spend part of my time. I'm like, I love these last 15 minutes. I'm going to pick your brain. Right. That's how- <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, very, very cool. Um, I love to ask our guests uh, lessons learned and you've segued right into it. And one, I think you just hit on there. And by the way, for everybody listening, I mean, you heard it took six, it's at year six or seven. She's figuring some of this out. It's not overnight. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen yeah. overnight, even though there's a lot of early sales. Um, I always love to ask our guests two or three biggest lessons learned. You shared one there about people and mentors reaching out and kind of, you know, leaning into others. What would be another one or two that you'd offer based on your experience in launching a new brand? That everybody's experience uh, and everybody, even meaning a business is different and will probably develop in a different fashion. So just because you didn't get, let's say the 700,000 the first year, or you developed a different way, that's still okay. Because if you notice disruptors in the market, typically don't follow the, the the regular business model. So kind of, you know, that that line of thinking outside the box and, and kind of following your intuition, not just, yes, look at what other people have done, but no. Right. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you showing me that. And that's no, not how we're going to do it. <laughs> if you, you know, and, and I would say reverse engineering your solutions is a big one. Sure. A real big one. Like, you know what you want your end result to be. And then you just have to find a way to get there. Love right. That. So that's really, I I think a lot of times we get caught up in day to day and then you lose sight of what you're actually trying to accomplish and aligning what you're, you know, what the little things are that you're getting upset about and, and, and frustrated about may not even lead you to. So I think kind of honing in on that often sure daily weekly is really important particularly when you're starting to get frustrated yeah i could easily see that yeah i appreciate that uh super great advice um you know share with our audience where they can find you where they can buy the product um where they can check out all that you have to offer yeah so our social instagram is eat me guilt free <laughs> and mine is christy basu but eat me guilt free you can find me that way as well our our website is www.8meatguiltfree.com. And you can find us in, I think, over 9,000 retailers now. It's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> surely, surely, we don't have a store locator, but all all vitamin shops, all GNCs, um, if I'm not mistaken, we're like in Safeways, Wegmans. Uh, stay tuned. We are going to add a store locator. But a lot of your um, independent grocers are starting to carry it. And Love if we that. don't ask, please. Yeah. I love it. That's so great. Hey, this has been so fun meeting you, uh, Christy. I'm so excited for your brand. I mean, I like I, I love to say you've got great runway and stretch here. I mean, and good growth potential. You gotta come back on with us down the road and uh, share more of your amazing stories and we can't wait to follow your growth. Thank you. Yeah, once I figure out this next step, I'll move back to it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to have you back. <laughs> Thank you, Justin. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.